Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by... Professor Wagstaff. Hot toddy. Venomous Vinny. Good to be with you again, folks. We are here for another installment of the Monster Mash. You know the format. You know the hosts. Let's jump right into it. Uh, We'll go around real quick in the order that we will be talking about them, just so everyone can say what they picked. I am Grizzly Abner, and I chose 2006's Bug. Professor. I picked It Follows. Alrighty. I chose Leatherface 2017. All right. I chose Train to Busan 2016. Very good. Very good. All right. Let's get right into it. Bug 2006, written by Tracy Letts, directed by William Friedkin. But if you're in the business, Bill Friedkin. Some of you may know him from a little film called The Exorcist, uh, starring Ashley Judd, Michael Shannon, and Harry Harry Connick Jr. Crazy, right? Crazy lineup. Bug tells the story of um, a down-on-her-luck Ashley Judd living in a sketchy hotel out in Oklahoma, Um, meets a weird veteran in Michael Shannon because they're supposed to go to a party together. They don't make it to that party. And then her estranged husband? Ex-husband? Boyfriend? He's only ex from prison. Gets out of prison and pays her a visit. And all the while, uh, things get a little creepy crawly with bugs in the hotel room. Or do they? There's the mystery for you, listeners. So uh, (laughs) let's go around and get uh, initial impressions from everyone. Vinny. I had never seen this. This is my first viewing of this movie, so I had absolutely no expectations whatsoever or, or anything. I'd never heard anything about it. Uh, I watched it. I, it, man, it. By the end of it, you're on the edge of your seat. Watch, like you can't help but be caught up, and your nerves frazzled by the end of this movie. And then it ends, and you're left. For the next half hour, sorting out what you just watched. I liked it. I thought I liked it. All right, Toddy. Uh, yeah, I loved a similar movie, but it was called Crabs. So I was working a uh, video store when this movie came out. Um, I've never seen it until, until just now. Um, unfortunately, back then, this is back when you would get screeners and and you kind of had to stay current with movies that just came out that week. So if a movie fell by the wayside, it just passed me by. I wanted to see it. Um, what I thought the movie was about is not what the movie's about at all. I mean, I guess a little bit. Um, I kind of thought this movie was like about a, like an outbreak or infestation type film. And it's it's kind of more of a... I mean, really, like, really the movie's kind of a mindfuck movie, to be real. but It's certainly a thriller. Um as I was watching it, like not uh, to go into the movie at all, but like uh, I thought it was kind of a cool choice that uh, that freaking was uh, the director of this because uh, Exorcist and like some of his other movies are big action or big special effects or uh, 
a lot more to it. Where this movie was like, uh, it was almost like in pretty much the one room the whole time, mm-hmm. uh, with just a small group of actors, and it relied on their acting than than anything. I believe six actors total, counting the voice of the pizza guy. And what I thought was cool was, uh, and it was pretty it, much all in one set it, too. It felt like, like a, a play, and so when it ended it and it, it said based on somebody's play, I was like, that makes sense. Um, and I feel like if they would have done more than what they did with this movie, I would not have enjoyed it at all. Um, but it's it's almost uh, uh, this is kind of um, kind of like I think of Speed or like Phone Booth when you tell somebody about the movie, you're like, yeah, it's on it's on a bus the whole movie, and they're like, I'll pass. But it's it's you know. Like speed and stuff, they made it. They made it work. All right, Professor. I had seen this before. Watched it with Grizz. That's right. At an old apartment of his, uh, quite a few years ago now. Um, so this was the second viewing. Um, I can't put. I can't put my finger on it. Did you want to? It doesn't quite strike the right chord with me, but there's no reason because the performances, the direction, the writing are all good. Um, is it too, I, I hate saying, I, I felt, I hate saying this out loud, but I know people like, especially like Ashley Judd, where I'm like, it upset me watching it <laughs> because, uh, whether it's from drug use or other things, I know people that have like gone this, like, uh, I don't know, like just as deep as she gets in it. And I'm like, uh, like, you know, again, like not just even drug use. Like, uh, I, I have friends that have been in years of abusive relationships and, and other things where it's just like, at some point they, they change who they are and they, they believe what is, what's going on. And yeah, well, I just want to point that out, but at the same time, there's much about this film as we talk about it that I'll celebrate. So I've never been able to pinpoint it. It's not something that I want to put on again, but I don't uh, know that I ever watch it again, but at the same time I respect it. So I don't, the, we'll reason I, the reason I wouldn't, yeah, the reason why I wouldn't watch it again is because I don't know if there's any point in my life where I'm going to be like, you know what? I want to feel completely <laughs> nervously fucked <Yeah. laughs> did, after two hours. But we'll go into pros and cons. Yeah. So this is my third viewing. I, I did have in here too, as you go into why I, I, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but what made you choose this movie for the podcast? You don't ask me, sir, <laughs> what my intentions are. Because it's not really, I mean, it, it is, it fits in the horror genre, but I just, I was curious, like, like, why, why when we chose movies, you picked Bug out of it? <laughs> I don't, and again, it's just. Um, so, uh, Mad Chan was working at Blockbuster when this came out. I rented it from there, uh, just because I'm a big fan of The Exorcist and uh, Bill Friedkin. So I thought, hey, what the hell, I'll give it a shot, and I rented it and I thought, man, that's intense. I really like it. Is it is intense. Yeah. And so I, I think, and so then I bought it. We were a uh, professor and I, and uh, from Brian Jackson, we were at a blockbuster uh, here in Muncie, I think maybe going out of business or anything like that. And it was on the shelf for like two or three bucks. And I bought it and I thought this is good enough for two or three bucks. And we'll make these guys watch it. And uh, they were certainly very weirded out by it when we watched it. And I thought, so that's good that I'm not the only one who thought it was crazy. Um, so basically I picked it because I think it's, I don't want to say criminally overlooked, but I don't know anyone who has seen or talked. I about feel this like, movie. I don't think it's as much overlooked as underappreciated. Cause I was telling him when it, when it came out, almost everybody that returned it complained about it. And I think it's cause, uh, 
like movies like this, especially in Richmond, they 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 kind of want more in your face and and what's going on than than a movie you have to think about. Well, and you, but the general public doesn't like a movie that doesn't leave you with a happy feeling at the end. Yeah, and this well, does no, not that, that's leave a, you with a happy feeling. At the, the, end. the reason I've always like wanted to watch it is because so many people disliked it. Because I was like, I kind of have a feeling I'm actually going to really enjoy it, but yeah. So that's why I chose it. Um, so digging into the synopsis a little bit further, um, Michael Shannon comes in, uh, which by the way, uh, my wife Carrie pointed out that Michael Shannon's character is a lot like our friend Joe Barker, the way in his mannerisms. <laughs> you, in the early stages of that movie, I was like, man, you have gone to school with or worked with somebody just like this guy at some point in your life. You've like, gone to cons with I him. I thought you were going to compare because uh, like, like he too likes to hang dong after the movie. <laughs> He's like, I'm not, a, I'm not an axe murderer. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an axe murderer. Um, so he's just like this very socially awkward guy. He's Donnie can't Joe, pull, if you're listening. <laughs> Donnie can't pull himself for you. together. Uh, <laughs> so um, he kind he stays with her, and uh, boy, got to tell you, one of the most awkward scenes uh, is when you know they they've established some boundaries, and then at one point he says, "I'd go to bed with you." And she says, get over here, boy. <laughs> and then that... That was not one of the high points of the their, movie for that me. That starts their romance. Um, so then they're romantically linked now at this point after two like, days. You can actually hear an STD. <laughs> and and he thinks he's bit by a bug as he's laying there nude. As you said, he's hanging dong. And um, then it just becomes this really weird... Uh, they're looking for bugs and trying to deter bugs and they've got fly strips hanging up and they've got bug spray. It and takes then... such an odd <laughs> turn. Like aluminum foil. You're watching like yeah. the thing about this movie is you're watching and it, you know, it's very much real world feeling like Ashley Judd, even though she's a Hollywood actress looks very much like a person you would see in your working at a local bar, you know, Whiskey tango. yeah. Uh, so, it starts off with it's such a real feel to it. <clears throat> and I think that that's what gets you and throws you for such a loop. Well, even uh, when it takes a turn, all the, cause they pulled you into that world and they're slowly dragging you in. And then all of a sudden they just flip the motherfucker upside down. And it's totally, it's like, Oh, 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 we're going this direction. Holy shit. I did not see us going this direction. Her abusive ex-husband becomes the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, that astounded me that it, it drew me in and I thought the story was going to be one thing. And then they went this completely other way with it. And it just, it's a very claustrophobic movie. Uh, and it just, your adrenaline's up, your nerves are up, especially, you know, those final minutes of the movie. You're just like, Oh, Oh, but it totally draws you in. I like that aspect of it. Professor. I think this is more about Tracy Letts than I do William Friedkin. Mm -hmm. As much as I respect Friedkin, um, I think he's a little past his prime at this point. Sure. But I think that the writing is is so good. Um, I don't know if you, any of you guys have seen it. Killer Joe is also a teaming of them. Mm. Friedkin directed that and Letts wrote it. And it's very similar in the sense of that one takes place in a trailer the entire movie. And so uh, Letts was actually just on Mark Maron's podcast like a week ago by chance he came on i listened to him but 
he he's interesting in the sense of he he likes to revisit where he's from, which is Oklahoma, and some of the problems that you know he remembered plaguing certain people. I mean, for me, this movie was a split between um, how this country treats our veterans and how desperate Ashley Judd is. Lonely people can be. Yeah, yeah because I feel like the, the in-your-face uh, aspect of the film is how nuts he is. But then when you stop and think about it, this woman has had such a shit life the last number of years that she's willing to make it work with it this put, guy. It put me in the mind of the way Manson was able to get these young girls with yeah. low self-esteem. Except to, the only difference is I don't think he's trying to pull anything. I think he's no. just... No, he's I agree. Yeah, yeah, he's just where he is, but you're right in terms of like how pliable she is because yeah. she just wants... She's, she's got somebody who's nice to her. Yeah. And that and that to me is is the strongest part of the film is watching her quickly become nuts with him because she just wants somebody to be nice to her to the She's point good. of throwing her best friend out. Yeah. He's trying to talk reason and say no. Uh, a doctor came looking for him. He's not well. Yep. He needs to see his doctor. And she's like, "You get out of here!" Yeah. You know, like. And so this isn't a. a, a a horror film in the sense that we normally discuss, but it has its own horrors because these are very real things that, um, you know, scare people every day and, and people that, you know, are loved ones as well. And it's, it's the fact that, that, yeah, that she is just, she, she wants some warmth in her life from some, from somebody who will show her some respect, which she's not, she doesn't get from anywhere. She's got just basically a job she gets through and she goes and she's living in a hotel and she's finally found a guy who's nice to her. And to me, the most interesting part of the film is not necessarily kind of the, the anxious fear that we feel with Michael Shannon's character, but how quickly she flips. Yeah. Because at first you're like, he's got problems. And then you're like, well, she's right there with him. What's going on. And then you realize, no, he actually still just has problems. She's just so desperate for this to work that she basically becomes nuts with him. And to some degree, we've all known someone like that oh, and, yeah. who puts themselves in an unhealthy relationship uh, because they, they're, they just want it to work and they're loyal to somebody, you know, to a fault. Yeah. And so I think that's the most interesting part of the film, which comes from the writing, um, which it's, it's obvious it came from the stage yeah. because we barely moved from the one location. Um, but to me, um, that's, that's the most compelling part of the film. I mean, the other stuff's done well, yeah. uh, with, with the bugs and the paranoia and he, he basically a veteran who's just completely come all, come undone. And it seems like he kind of goes back and forth on that, not within the film, but when we catch him, he's composed. Yeah. And then as we go, he unravels, who knows how often we dance between those two with him because he's paranoid schizophrenic. Right. But, um, yeah, I, that to me is the most compelling part is, is actually Ashley Judd. Let's talk about how that realism goes a step further when he pulls his own teeth out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause he thinks that the government has planted something in his teeth and they're listening the to it. Yeah. Is what he thinks is in his body. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And even the, like, even, I'm in this movie. I'm even, I'm with him on the delusion for a while. Cause I'm, I'm a paranoid guy by nature. So I'm kind of with him. You know what I mean? I think, and then I, I think the movie supported his, cause yeah. the, before anything is said, 
She's corroborating it, well, you, so you're like, okay, you can, okay. You can, I don't know if you caught it, but you can you can hear before anything's said, you hear the helicopters. Yes. And that's all throughout the movie. And at first, it's very subtle. And then, it, like, there's a few scenes where the whole the whole room shakes. But then it shows, it cuts to outside, and Harry Connick Jr. is outside, and there's no noise. And you're like, oh, no fuck, helicopters. they are nuts. Yeah. They are nuts. Holy shit, they are nuts. Yeah, when he pulls his own teeth, especially the sound effects they added along with that, that's rough. And then, like, I think one of the most terrifying scenes is where he's, like, telling her, what don't you remember? What don't you remember? And she's, uh, uh, and conjuring up. And you can, you see her descending. Yeah. As he coaxes her into his madness. As to, as to how her child went missing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, there's no soundtrack. There's no score. There's no music. Like, which adds to the unsettling. Until the end, which I found very interesting. Right, right. Uh, do we want to go ahead and close out? Spoiler? Well, um, I, I, I kind of looked it up because I know... I kind of feel like this is so many horror movies with him. And, and like you said, Ashley Judd is where it kind of sets the tone. But, um, like, they, they actually become like a shared psychosis where, like, they see the same delusions and they seem to see the... Same hallucinations. And to be honest, there's a few times where I'm like, did I see a bug? Like, even when he would come out, and you know, apparently he had been cutting himself and stuff. But, um, let me be honest, like, since we're getting there, like, when, when the doctor's brought in the room, I kept looking at the doctor because I'm like, maybe this doctor is a robot. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, I, I'm going to be honest, like, at, by, I'm not even sure if, if I don't disbelieve them at the end of the movie. Because I actually started looking around, and I'm like, well, what if they are right? Like the scene with the, I think the fact that you are very, uh, it's very closed in, because the scene with the pizza delivery guy, and I'm like, and that's like, that's an FBI agent or something, that's not a pizza delivery guy. And then they, they, they draw you into the paranoia. Pizza. They do, they rip the pizza apart, and, and they see stuff in it, and I don't know, like it's. Yeah, they, they, they manage to draw you as the viewer into their psychosis with he starts hitting all the, the, the popular conspiracy theories. He starts talking about the Bilderbergs and how they're meeting and they're running the world and Illuminati. And that's they're the ones who took her son. And that's why he's missing. And that's why they're controlling. You know, they're doing the acid trips, experiments on soldiers and stuff, which is all real conspiracy theories. Like you can search. That's real easy to find. And he's just got this this conspiranoia about him, this paranoia about conspiracies. Um yeah, I I think it's great. Then he he mentions Jim Jones and uh oh yeah and uh which who was the was it Waco that he mentioned David Koresh David yeah yeah, yeah because that's the thing too with with Jim Jones and, he says they were all part of that acid experiment and uh, it's it's definitely a different tone but the whole movie I, that's I think that's why I started believing what I've seen it almost feels like a weird Jacob's Ladder mm-hmm. where uh I don't know again I'm yeah. I'm not a hundred percent convinced that's an interesting that, that that maybe he wasn't telling the truth and. And then, at the end, Ashley Judd realizes that she is the Super Mother Bug. <laughs> yeah. I want that to be Hot Toddy's new nickname, Super Mother Bug. <laughs> that is one of my stage names. <laughs> I am the Super Mother Bug! Yeah, I couldn't decide if I loved that or was laughing at it. I think that's the <laughs> Both. point. Both, yeah. And uh, then they take their clothes off and set the place on fire. Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> It's nuts, man. The whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, 
getting in your eyes. It's going to burn. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to set themselves on fire. Who cares? Yeah, well, not only that, they pour it on and you hear them gasp. It's like, oh, yeah, you got shit tons of open wounds all over your body yeah. that oh, that gasoline just got into. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's an uncomfortable end. So, wrapping up. There's a... Did you watch past the credits, anybody? No. They actually keep... They they show the doctor. The, again, I was like, man, this doctor's going to get up. But this doctor's a robot. He's going to get up. He's going to move around. So what happened past the credits? It just it just kind of showed a few scenes of the movie, but I'm like, man, like it didn't it didn't convince me that it was real or fake. Yeah, I did actually because at the end of the credits it shows a scene of the apartment, the hotel room, untouched with that tricycle with the kids' clothes hanging over the handlebars. Yeah. Uh, Whatever the hell that's supposed to mean, they felt it necessary to put that as a stinger. Aliens took that baby. <laughs> or the lesbians, or whichever her theory was on that, but yeah, or alien lesbians. Well, and something else during the credits that I I noticed that was kind of not ominous, but just noteworthy is the two songs they have are from Chris Cornell and Scott Weiland, both of whom since that movie came out and, uh, have you know yeah met their ends to some of the problems that are semi relatable to, sure. to what we cover in the film. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. So. I got to recommend this movie uh, to serious listeners, even if they just listen to the spoilers. I mean, you got to check this movie. I out. would recommend it, but it's not a movie, like I said, I'm ever going to be in the mood to pop in again. Yeah. Right. Rent. It's, it's, don't it's, buy. It's not a feel good movie, but At it's a all. good movie. No, it's, totally. It's been 10 years since I've watched it. It'll yeah. be at least 10 years before I yeah. watch it again. Yeah. yeah. And to listeners who have seen it and enjoyed it, watch Killer Joe. It's a little bit uh, naughtier, but it's very comparable with the. Same writer, same director. And if you're a friend listening to the show, you can borrow my copy of Bug. <laughs> Booyah. So, all right. Moving on to our next film, a little selection, highly divisive film called <laughs> It Follows. Uh, I call it It Follows. It Follows. <laughs> <laughs> Professor. Uh, it Follows. I picked this one basically because it needed to be talked about. Uh, whether you hate it or love it, it was uh, big for the horror genre, uh, especially for a newer movie. I hold it uh, in a high place, but I think that the conversation uh, that surrounds this film, whether you hate it or love it, is always interesting. So I figured it'd be a good choice for the podcast. Um, it's got it listed uh, 2014, directed by David Robert Mitchell. Normally, I don't care about listing off directors, but just in the event that this guy does a bunch more spectacular stuff. Might be a name you want to keep an eye on. Um, we've got uh, effects from Robert Kurtzman, which everybody knows uh, from KNB, the mm-hmm. K. Uh, and we've got Kira Gilchrist, who has went on to do a, a few movies. He was on a, a popular Netflix show, The Name's Escaping Me, but he he's, he's starting to pop up in more and more stuff as a pretty talented young performer. And he plays the younger guy in this film. Okay. Um, so he's worth mentioning. Um, I'm curious just what everybody's initial thoughts are, if this was first time, second time viewing. Um, I, I saw this originally in the theater, and then I haven't watched it since. So it was kind of nice to watch again. Um, I, I loved it, and uh, I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I, I love John Carpenter. And I feel like this movie's very... Uh, kind of like a love letter to John Carpenter and like many of the, of the shots, uh, the disaster piece music reminds me of Carpenter a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean like the, 
other than a little bit of that, it, it, it's, you know, it's not like his movies or anything, but um, I don't know, I really like the concept of the movie, too. Um, I don't know. This will be my first time viewing it. <clears throat> um, I am guilty of being a person who doesn't like to try new things. <laughs> and when it, even when it comes to things that I like, like horror movies, uh, I tend to cling and watch to the watch the shit that I've watched my entire life and things that are current that come out. I'm hesitant to watch them, uh, which is why I'm glad being on the podcast now that challenges that with me, because now I've uh, in different instances watched things that I normally would not have and actually really enjoyed them. Um, it follows. Um, I'm not Gaga for it but I enjoyed the watch. Um, I don't think by any means that it's a masterpiece. Um, I think there's a lot of holes. However, I was entertained for the time that I watched it and I left. <clears throat> I liked it. I could watch this again. Cool. So watch this when it was, uh, first came to, uh, DVD, Blu-ray, whatever you want to say. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it either. Um, so that was the initial impression. Rewatching it this time around, I still kind of have the same feeling about it um, for reasons we'll get into. But uh, I think there's some things that are misunderstood about the film. Oh, yeah. Uh, things that I think really turned me off to it the first time that maybe after reading a little bit more about the film, I'm going to be a little softer on. Um, so that being said, there are things I definitely like about it. The cinematography, the music, I think it's a beautiful looking film. I love the soundtrack, but there's lots I don't like. So uh, just want to be fair and say that I'll be the dissenting voice for parts of this. Um, yeah. With me, it, for for starters, it it's one of the more impressive low budget films I've watched. Well, mm-hmm. since I've been alive, I mean, this thing never once feels like it's suffering from not having what it needs. The appearance of the film, uh, you know, looks wonderful. The soundtrack, um, I think, really. I don't know if I, I I credit this film to starting the movement on so much of the retro love for for synthesized driven soundtracks but it certainly didn't hurt it um and i think what's great about it is that when the film's pulsating with it for a second you'll think about john carpenter but it's its own thing and so this guy managed to tap into so many uh kind of areas of things that we love as fans of horror films but it never is really ripping it off it's the soundtrack is its own thing it's got flavors that are kind of like Carpenter at times, but I mean, it's to the best of my knowledge is the first time this guy scored a film that did this. I think he's a musician maybe, mm-hmm. but this was his first score. Um, and I think that's what, what really catapulted it. Um, I will say one of the main driving reasons and I'll mention it now, I didn't want to do it right at the beginning that I wanted to cover this is I feel like this film suffers from people trying to make something that's not. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to make sure we covered it on here and have a good conversation about it because I feel like people rest too much in trying to make it about metaphors and in the process aren't even focusing on what the metaphor that the director was trying to achieve with. 
Um, so I think that that mainly is the is the is the driving force on why I picked it. I, I really like the film. I think it's one of the best horror films of this young century so far. But more so, I wanted to get into talking about just kind of what is at its core because I think people want to make it a morality movie, and mm-hmm. it's not at all. Yep. Um, Cats out of the bag, folks. Yeah. And so I, you know, when people watch it, they they want to take this, um, you know, very overt approach in terms of it being about having sex and that killing you, and and that's not to me what it's about. It's about adulthood. I mean, that's that's the whole film. And so if you want to get on the, the symbolic level, it's very rewarding, but if you just want to watch it as a horror film, it's good. Um, and it takes very, uh, basic things from our everyday life that will make you think about it tomorrow. Even rewatching this the next day, I shopped late at the grocery store, went to Meyer after work. And as I'm going out to my car, there's a guy walking from the far end of the parking lot, just kind of approaching. And I'm paying attention to him while I'm putting the stuff in my trunk. That is, I'm pushing the cart away and getting in the car. And I thought that, you know, it just reinforces the mark of an effective horror film because I'm carrying it with me the next day. I wasn't thinking about it all day, but there it is. Just a little, you know, kind of subtle effect that it had on, on you know, my life afterwards. But, I mean, we can go more into it and what... um what you guys took from it and things that you didn't and didn't like about it. But I, I wanted to just get that right out there. Is that something that's kind of driven me nuts is, is that um, because it doesn't fall in line perfectly with a morality tale, people think that it's kind of like a, an, a movie with an identity crisis. Yeah. And I don't think it is. That was my biggest complaint from the beginning. Was it was because I thought it was a morality tale. I thought it was about, warning people against promiscuity I remember some of us talking about this at a cookout at Matt oh yeah Chance, but i couldn't remember who took what stances and yeah stuff. i wish we would have recorded that because yeah. it was like five of us going the fuck off for like five minutes i never straight. i never got that ever like See, the... yeah and that's the thing if you looked when i checked when i checked into this movie earlier this week and said i'm re-watching it follows say like you ghost know stds I, I put in my notes because people are like like it's not ghost aids yeah, and that's what people think it is. Like over half of the people I, who commented was, said it's it's a warning against promiscuity. It's a warning. The, the, against it, it is kind of a, an allegory for an STD. And no, an STD. But you don't cure an, You don't cure an STD by sleeping with somebody else. You don't. No, <laughs> but I'm not saying Son that. Of a bitch. I, you don't think I'm that, sorry. You don't think that in any way I'm this so is an sorry. allegory for an STD, though. I would say if it's anything, it's guilt. Now listen, I'm going to blow all your minds when we get to the end. But let's just. <laughs> Do, you, do the, you want me to go deep into where I'm coming from on that? Go ahead. I, I think it's her her cuckoo is like the grudge, <laughs> where when you walk in that house, the ghost is with you. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you lost me at cuckoo. <laughs> no. So, so whenever a young person has sex, predominantly, that's it. The innocence is gone. You are now an adult. You may not be ready for adulthood, but when you have sex, oh, no, that changes you well. over. And we got another conversation to have, <laughs> but he was older. <laughs> but so with that, the the things that we see coming at our characters in this film are possibilities of adulthood. You have old and decrepit. You have her father later in the film, who 
I believe killed himself. They never really spell it out, but right. the mom's a drunk and struggling. We never see her face. And the, yeah. young, the young demon child. And and so to me, well, yeah, the, the kid doesn't fit in real well with that. But Or the scary tall man. Well, well I, think, I think if you're in the middle of adulthood, you know, childhood can be... Because you're you are having kind of de- a, having demon yeah, children. Like well, you, well, not only that, but like you know, it's like a loss of youth, and then because it really was like it was it was like a small weird child, and then the the worst for me was the big ass tall man. But but in some of those instances, they spell out too that these can be people to get to you, mm-hmm. which they don't elaborate on some of them. So the kid or the tall man may be something completely you know that they just don't spell out with that but to me that's adulthood coming at them that and to to me that's the whole point of the film is that it sucks it's scary and a lot of times kids get into that quicker than they want to but and like when the kid's being raped by his mom the ghost yeah. version of his mom yeah that's uh whew. i'm just teasing you i'm poking holes in it go ahead well that's not <laughs> poke a hole in anything because she's she he trusts her and so he comes at her and much like adulthood, it's, it's relentless and it's going to be people that you believe in and count on. Mm. They're going to fuck you sometimes and life's hard and adulthood's hard. And so to me, that is where the movie goes deeper. But if you don't want to buy into that and you don't want to find anything deeper in it, it's just scary. You got something who, that never stops. Sure. That yeah. is always coming out of you from the side of your vision. That's, you know, but but at the same time, we cannot act like I'm out of my fucking mind for saying that no. this can be viewed as an allegory for an STD. Well, no, that's, it and, can. And that it's was just, my initial takeaway. And yeah, what yeah. upset me was that if that is the allegory, it breaks its own rules. Yeah, I was gonna sure, say, sure. I, and, I'm not, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's, that's the gospel and the crux of it all, but it certainly has that aspect to it as no, well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. So after watching this a second time, and I know we can go back and talk about the highlights of the film, but since we're already here digging for the seeds instead of the low hanging fruit, um, I gotta be so sexual. <laughs> you didn't ask me that the other day. Um, the the director said, or the writer, did he write and direct it? I don't know. Okay, I just got to jot him jot it down for director. So here's the thing. I was with Vinny the first time I watched it. I'd also heard the theory that you're proposing, and I, I, I buy into that a little bit too. It's just It can also be just an allegory of the way life's always creeping up on you, mm-hmm. following you. Um, but the writer said it's just all a nightmare. It's all about a recurring dream that he used to have when he was younger that someone was slowly stalking him. So this was like the recurring nightmare slash dream. And and that, and I can totally see that. And, and that's it, why it does it, have that. And feel. that's why it can work. It's just a straightforward horror movie, no metaphors, because as we're going to talk about, there's a lot of other dream state things in the movie, and that's what it's all about. He said he didn't even think about adding the sex component to it until he was an adult, just to be a driving force, just you know, to and keep it passing from person. I to person. thought this cast actually looked like teenagers. Yeah. So many times you get a cast that's supposed to be teenagers, and it's clearly people in their the lead 20s. was great, but these actually looked like teenagers. I think some like <clears throat> and it just makes the movie even odder. Is it's hard to pinpoint a time period. There were no otters in this movie. <sighs> Odd. <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> but uh, 
like they they the t- all the TVs are old school TVs. Uh, but then the little the girls on like a Little Mermaid birth control iPad thing, or Kindle. Uh, I don't. There's like an organist playing in the movie theater. Like it was really. So that's the other piece. That's what makes it more of a dream slash nightmare. There's an old man hanging dong on a roof. I mean. Yeah, exactly. It's one of my greatest fears. So the writer slash director said that that's why he was, you know, that's what the film is about. Is this nightmare, this dreamscape, because the whole film is like that. When they go to the theater, think about this. When they're waiting outside the theater, it's nighttime. When he freaks out and leaves the theater within, you know, 10, 15 minutes, it's daytime when they get outside. Time mm. consistently changes. Weather changes. Weather changes. They're in shorts. They're in pools, but then they're wearing coats. There's new cars, but then Subtle there's disorder. Huh. There's whole scenes where they're it's old vehicles. Which yes. I jog like that, so I didn't find that weird. That was not weird for you, right? But there's inconsistent technology. At um, you know, at some point, you're right. It's all the old televisions, and they're dressed old. But then the girl at the beginning is on her cell phone, and then the weird girl has her little clamshell e-reader. So that adds more to it just being a straightforward horror movie and a nightmare slash dream sequence. Mm. It doesn't say that any of these metaphors are invalid. If you want to read those into it, I'm just saying like after reading that from the writer director, I became a little softer on the, that's film. interesting. That's interesting. I, I makes me want to watch it again because that was the thing. So before I read that, I got mad again for the same reasons when I rewatched it. I said, you know, there's inconsistent technology in the film. Why are they doing that? It makes me think they're just doing forced nostalgia, which I hate when people lower that accusation against things. People say it about Stranger Things. People say it about the new It movie. Oh, it's just forced nostalgia trying to make you feel good and allure. But but like when I was watching this, I was like, oh, it's just trying to be hip, you know, pulling in these old things. But then after reading that about it being a nightmare slash dream sequence, it all made a little more sense to me. It follows. <laughs> so is the writer director saying that that's all a dream? It's dreamlike. Yeah. Uh, so he shot. Yeah, I would agree with that because I mean everything that you cited is is disorienting. I mean yeah. the only piece of technology we have is the reader, the clam thing that she's got. And I think if nothing else, the strength for that is twenty years from now this movie won't be dated because there's nothing to pinpoint it as a product of its time. Right. Because you have a little bit of flavor from the seventies and eighties and current, and, but they never dwell too much on any of it. Right. Right. I, I would be, uh, I know cause it, it made, it made a lot of money for the, you know, this thing was made for nearly nothing made money. So I know they talked about a sequel and I, I thought, I know the director, like they, they mentioned that follow it because the idea would be, you know, where did this thing start from? Which is kind of, they mention it in the movie, but it's never touched on. And like, obviously it's like this big long train. Like if it's, if it is passed from having sex with somebody, like where did it, where did it begin and why? Sure. And then you're like, most of the theories in the movies that the people had, you know, were like the guy wasn't protected because he slept with the girl. Like he still kept seeing it, but it was, uh, it wasn't out to kill him as much as it was just lingering. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I hate to be a buzzkill. <laughs> you know, it's just that explanation of what I read about it. Yeah, no, no, it's not a buzzkill. I'm just yeah, just processing what you're saying. Because to watch me, it the, the movie's driving forces is uh, being very ambiguous uh, and to, to pull from it what you want. 
Sure. So, and uh, I mean, even you could even say, yeah, you could even say like, even if you strip down your theory a little bit more, mm-hmm. it's just like the notion that death is always creeping. You could just, you could leave it at the, that. The, fi- the that final scene for all of us. You're walking know down I mean? the street and they're holding hands. If you look in the very background, there's, there's like an old man or something like really far back. Yeah. And you don't know is it. And to me, that yeah. kind of, a lot of this encompasses what I'm saying in adulthood. Sure. It's just that moment Absolutely. you quit being a kid. Yeah. And uh, how kids are kind of naive in their approach to trying to combat that. I mean, look how we handled it at the pool. This is, this is their solution. These yeah. are, these are, these are people who are having sex at this point. Um, who have decided they're going to become adults and they're like, let's go to this pool and plug in a bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that, that that's, uh, certainly intentional to show like that they're not quite adults yet. Um, but I, I, I do appreciate the disorienting, uh, angles that he takes with, with the things that kind of don't add up. Um, I also like the representation with Detroit. And the cutoff with Eight Mile. Yeah. And that also kind of applies to this movie in general. And so they're venturing in to the urban landscape where where things are more dangerous and serious and adult, which kind of applies to the bigger ideas that are being kind of fed through the vibes of this movie. Um, even including the solution at, to the end of the movie, which... Uh, a lot of people didn't pick up on, I think, but it's implied that uh, our young guy heads down and gives it to a hooker. Right. He drives down and we drive by the prostitutes and then it's him walking with her down the street. And so I appreciated kind of the understated uh, approach with the storytelling um, in terms of instead of tying everything up in a nice little bow and hitting you over the head with it. Um, so if some people didn't get that or don't like it, I, I understand, sure. but I, I like I like the way they finished it up. So you're saying the movie's about white privilege? Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, just one other thing, I noticed the Redford where they go to the movies at the beginning. That's where the Big Evil Dead premiere was. Mm-hmm. Um, back when that was a, a new thing, when uh, young Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell had their big premiere, it was at that theater, which I'm sure was not an accident. And then just one other thing I wanted to point out is the similarities. To Nightmare on Elm Street that I feel from this film in terms of young people dealing with something that is just insanely out of their control that they cannot get away from and kind of how adults are not really present in the film and it's more about friends leaning on each other and figuring their way through what's going on. Yeah, um, It's not directly a Nightmare on Elm Street by any means but yeah. I, I kind of get those feels from it at times and then the name of the director is escaping me but this is a, it has elements of two of his films in Curse of the Demon and Cat People. This mm. this I, the initial love for this film with me was the feeling of cheap, moody, creative horror like mm-hmm. Val Luton. Yeah, and so the pool scene is no accident. I think that that's a direct kind of tip of the hat to Cat People. Sure, but then but that and, also reminds me of Nightmare. In the way that they they're trying to improvise traps like yeah. Nancy was for yep. Freddy, yeah. And then you've seen Curse of the Demon or Night of the Demon, yeah, yeah. You? and the passing off of of what's attracting the demon. Yeah. And so I felt like there was at least you know if it wasn't on purpose, then it's a crazy coincidence because I feel like those two movies in particular have uh, some form of influence on this film. Sure, sure. 
Vinny or Toddy? I kind of agree with everything you said. Definitely Nightmare. Uh, there's the, the classroom scene, which also reminds me of Halloween a bit, too. But, uh, yeah, the classroom scene definitely uh, was a little bit of, like, Nightmare and Halloween. Yep. Uh, and then, like, her, uh, her na- the, the boy that was her neighbor, of course, she sees, like, the, the demon or the, the ghost or whatever it is. And then uh, also the fact that only they can see the thing, like the the other kids can't see it, mm-hmm. so it's almost kind of... Yeah, I love it when they go revisit the one guy that gave it to her, and he's like, do you see the, the girl with the soccer ball? Like, the way he's calling her out. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like they could all see her. It was great. <laughs> yeah, there's there some very subtle humor in this. <clears throat> Any other thoughts, Vinny? No, I think I've said everything I need to say. Uh, I just week. want to say, yes, that tall man scared the crap out of me. That, that is creepy. <laughs> they, they so good. Because that he was terrifying. Here's what's funny. He is one half of the tallest twins living. There's two of them? Yep. There's two of those scary tall uh, men. To quote Joe Dirt. Dang. <laughs> yep. And I think they're Detroit natives. I think I read that, oh, too. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and then the kid crawling through that hole creeped me out. Mm-hmm. So those are those are two of my favorite scares. Um, um, one that I wanted to point out, which I already said, but I want to clarify, that I thought was particularly sharp in the way that they did it, uh, was when we're at the pool, and it's her dad. Yeah. But she won't say who it is because the sister's there. Yeah. And the who, sister can't see him. Yep. Who is it? Yep. I can't tell you. Yep. And then yeah. we and but they don't spell it out for you. They show you the family picture. Not long after sitting at their house, yep, and you realize that was the dad. So it it it's like a slingshot, you know what I mean? Yep. When you see the picture, like holy shit, she just had to go through that with what right. appeared to be her dad that they lost a few years ago. Crazy, and it just elevates that scene. But they don't make a big deal about it, mm-hmm. and there's a percentage of viewers who won't even notice that. Yep, and that to me that was uh, brave and original storytelling. I thought. Yeah, see, and that upset me the first time through. I'm like, so what are they trying to say? Like, her dad molested her or her dad raped her? Because I kept trying to tie it in to just yeah. be in a tale about sex and things like that. So, uh, that being said, I will probably be a little kinder to this movie in the future after reading about it being nightmare and dreamlike and just treating it more like a horror movie. Just more of an abstract. Just treat it like a horror movie about something that just follows you and tries to kill you. Yeah. That's going to hit bigger for me. Than me trying to read too much metaphor into it. So, yes, I again, I don't hate this film. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Any final thoughts? I love it. I enjoy it. I'd watch it again for sure, and probably more so now after the discussion. I'd like to take it out for a steak dinner and never call it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's how you get ghost aids. <laughs> All right, coming in hot on hot tot toddies pick Leatherface Leatherface 2017 not to be confused with Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Part 3 which not to be confused with Texas Chainsaw 3 aka 3D which was like Part 27 (laughs) right exactly so Toddy give us some details um well I I chose this movie um I don't like to pick a lot of newer movies just because uh which let's start off by spoiler alert because it is really new um, I think, uh, Texas Chainsaw, I, I, I think it's one of the worst franchises put together for, for a horror icon. I would agree. Amen they're, to that. They're not, they're never really consistent with the sequels. Um, 
You know, I like a lot of the sequels, but I, I feel like after, you know, after you watch one, the next movie, probably the only thing that's going to be back is Leatherface. Like, there's a new family, uh, you different know. Actors, yeah, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's not consistent. Different um, timeline. Yeah. So when, uh, when the last, le- the Texas Chainsaw 3D came out, I liked that they sold the idea that, um, they wanted to do several pictures, time together a little bit, um, and then the, this one was a prequel, which they they talked about here and there, and I know the 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 remake had the beginning, but um, I watched this movie uh, a few months ago, and it it didn't even in a I don't mean this in a bad way, it didn't feel like a Texas Chainsaw. It had a different tone, and I would rank this right up with like the original as as like being like I think the original one's gonna be my favorite, but I thought for a sequel this is one of the best and. Uh, I kept seeing um, poor reviews, which sometimes I don't know that those people even watch these movies. Because um, I've noticed the people that have actually watched it now have a different um, a different tone. Like, they, they talk differently about the movie now. But that is why I chose it for, for this podcast. Okay. Did you want a plot, too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we want a plot. Yeah. It's leather, so it's Leatherface, and he's a boy. Um, refresh me again. Who is Leatherface? I'm just joking. Okay, so uh, Leatherface 2017. It stars Stephen Dorff, Lily Taylor. Um, those are your your bigger actors. Um, there's there's a couple of smaller people like from Game of Thrones and stuff thrown in. Um, I thought for a Texas Chainsaw movie, they also went with really good actors because uh, sometimes sometimes that's missing in some of the sequels to Texas Chainsaw. Um, and and this one. There's like an early incident with um, a couple going down the road and a young pre-Leatherface is, is in the middle of the road and, and lures the, the girl to follow him. And they end up killing the, the, the Sawyer family, kill the girl. And she is the daughter of the local uh, sheriff, uh, who is Sheriff Hartman, who's played by Stephen Dorff. Um, and then I think Hartman is also tied with the the Texas Chainsaw 3D with the cops in that movie too. So there's a connection. And then the guy that was driving the truck is um, Ted Hardesty. So he would be Sally and um, – well, I just went blank on his name. Sally? Yeah. Franklin. Yes, and Franklin's father. Um, that just blew my mind. So uh, the, the, the sheriff comes back in retaliation, and he decides since they took his child – He's going to take all the children from them and he starts putting all these homes, uh, all these children in orphanages. And so uh, young Jedediah Sawyer, who's going to become Leatherface, is thrown into a home. We don't quite know who he is. And a few years later, we see that they're teenagers now and they escape the, the orphanage. And that's where it becomes more like a like a natural born killers movie instead of a Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, you can say that um, again. As they're kind of um, a couple of the boys and a nurse are held hostage by two escapees that are that are basically just on a on a wild killing spree to to get away. Okay. That's Leatherface in, in a nutshell. And you said you enjoyed this one. I love this movie. Okay. Gotcha, Professor. I was disappointed. Um, I I will say this. I didn't think it reached into the levels of bad that 
people were slamming it too. I I mean, people eviscerated this film when it came out. Like it was the worst thing ever made, and it wasn't. I just thought that uh, for a change, you could tell that effort was put into it with money, uh, with who they got behind it. The directors did um, Inside, which was a, a pretty popular indie horror. So I mean, they tried to bring in uh, some young talent with a with a vision uh, to make this. They brought in notable actors when they could have just as easily dialed it in. So I don't think this was a, just a straight cash grab. I think the problem is the script. That's my, that's my problem with it. Um, because I don't think the acting is bad and I don't think that everything in the movie is horrible, but you, there were, there were multiple avenues that they could have took with this to make it awesome. Mm-hmm we could have made it a more interesting lead up to what creates Leatherface. I mean, honestly, we just kind of have a movie with some roaming lost parts and then he's hurt. And then that's the end. It's like, we got him. Okay. This is going to be Leatherface. And, or we could have spent time, um, almost in the vein of a stand by me with the traveling group of kids and made Mm -hmm. them, uh, more sympathetic and entertaining, um, but it wasn't it wasn't the actors because the 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 performers weren't bad. This just the script. I mean, yeah. If you really pare this film down, uh, it, there's not much to the plot. I mean, we've got uh, a vindictive sheriff who breaks apart a family, and then we watch a kid have a shitty time and. I mean that's that's not much of a of a lead up to such an infamous character as Leatherface, and so I thought that there was going to be more uh, mythos build up or some something a little bit that left viewers more emotionally invested, maybe even played with them on the sympathetic side because what worked in Texas Chainsaw was guy was crazier than a shit house rat, but in a weird way he was kind of sad. Yeah. Like many criminals, this country has seen that have done some of the most despicable things. There's always an element of, of kind of just, they're a bummer. Mm-hmm. Their, their existence is depressing. Um, whether it be from loneliness or perversion or both kind of marrying together. Mm-hmm. But with that, that, that was my biggest takeaway is that they could have done so much more with, with the potential ideas that they had, and I felt like it was almost insulting um, with the occasional button pushing. It felt like every 20 minutes or so, they're like, yeah, let's give the horror fans what they want. Let's have this girl screw on top of a corpse and tongue it. Oh, God. What? I know. Like, what is that? Awful. And so there were elements. I, I But I, seriously, I, the movie looked good. It was shot well. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a decent production. And, and the young performers were good. And that's what was the most frustrating is I was like, oh, you have all of the parts. And we always bitch about studios not giving, you know, horror movies the resources they need out of respect to make and to make a good movie. And so with this one, it had it except for the script. So I'm not going to knock even the direction or anybody in it. I just thought the the script was kind of uninspired. That was my biggest takeaway. Otherwise, I mean, it, it wasn't a horrible movie. 
but the only time I'm I'm going to watch this ever again is if I decide I'm going to watch every movie from the Texas Chainsaw franchise. That'd be daunting. This is never going to be put on just as um, an isolated film. So, but I will say it wasn't as bad as everyone made it out to be. Because when people came back, we're coming back from the theaters. They were like talking like it made the Matthew McConaughey movie wonderful. And it's just like, no, 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 it does. <laughs> there, there, there ain't enough shit in the world to make that movie good. So that, that was just my takeaway. I, they missed gold. I, I I think that if nothing else, and they would have been accused of kind of capitalizing or ripping off on it, but like, look at the success with it and Stranger Things right now. Sure. And so if you pl- apply that to a group of misfits that are even more so than what we've had in those instances, I mean, these kids have been institutionalized and are out on the loose. Yeah. And you make them sympathetic, how drastically uh, different that movie would have been and how that would be a prequel worth making because at the core of it, we usually don't want to know what the monster is. Right. And so if we're going to do it, let's make it more entertaining. I just thought this felt kind of, felt kind of flat. Venomous one. I went on way longer than I intended to. I'm sorry. Um, I think they shit the bed with this movie. Um, I think, and you kind of touched on a little bit, Todd, I didn't like that it didn't feel like a Texas Chainsaw movie at all. It did feel like Natural Born Killers. And Devil's Rejects. Which doesn't feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Um, which I, I will, I will, I'm okay when, when we have, I can't think right now, but is there like, what is this, the seventh or eighth film? Well, yeah. man, I'm, I don't want to get into any, any plot points at this point yet, uh, really, ahead. but. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I, I just all around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah I kind just of let it. Let it I kind of feel like they, sh- like I say, I think they shit the bed with this. Um, number one, like you said, the timeline is all over the place with this this franchise. We've which is we, it's very we've rebooted, we've retconned certain sequels, but said okay, this one stays. Uh, I was disappointed that when they're showing him, him as a small child in the house. And you see a kid that's obviously the hitchhiker character because he has the birthmark on his face. You have no chop top. So that disappoints me. So clearly they're you did get grandpa. Though. So clearly they're saying yeah, they're they're ignoring two. They're ignoring two Three, on four. And we've already rebooted and done a prequel origin story. Now we're doing an origin story again, but it only counts for these movies. That drives me nuts. Um and I don't I'm I'm angry at them actually. For the fucking swerve that I smelled early. Yep. Over who the kid that looks just yes. like Leatherface. I was I told him I said we're getting ready to get hit with a bait and switch. Yeah. Because it was too obvious. And it's like, stop trying to oh they oh they got me with a twist. Damn. I wasn't didn't expect that <laughs> because it was fucking lame. It was I, a lame twist. I knew uh, from that was an actual audio clip from a viewer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew that from this the viewer. Oh, but man, they, where they did where they shot the jaw off that was pretty Shocking. But at the same time, but they didn't. They didn't. So need to that do it. that makes him the big, mentally deficient guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know what I mean? I get to pull it through the head. That's through the jaw. It's not gonna fuck your brain up. <laughs> and not only that, and this is the part that really bothered me: mother being the driving force of your psychosis 
is played the fuck out. Can we please stop? It's fine when it's Norman Bates. It's fine when it's Jason Voorhees. Ed, Ed, Ed Gain is a is also Leatherface was based off him too. Come on, can we quit grasping? It's a fair defense. It's a, a, a whack ass. defense. I agree though. with you. But After it's, a it's been defense. done, how many? But Jason Voorhees' mother is his, and then thanks to Rob Zombie, Michael Myers' mother is part of his psychosis. So you're going to take all goes back to Ed Gain. that's all been done, <laughs> which was Leatherface. Lame. I there. This is indefensible. Indefensible. I'm sorry. It's indefensible. It's been done a hundred fucking times and it just doesn't fit. It doesn't. I don't want to. And it's the same shit that Rob Zombie did with Michael Myers where, oh, oh, I feel sorry for Leatherface. It's not his fault. It's his hillbilly ass family that made him like this. I just fuck this movie. I mean, I, the more I'm talking about the matter I'm getting about it. If this movie would have had nothing to do with Texas Chainsaw, I would probably like it. If it had, if it wasn't the Texas Chainsaw universe and characters, I would probably like this movie. I will say when that kid hides out in the street and gets up with the like, was a cow head on him. That's crazy. I was like, oh, this movie might be tight. Yep. So well, there's that. <laughs> there's moments, and like I say, had, cool. had these been named totally different characters, you could do the exact same movie, but it's not the Sawyers. It's just some yeah, and that's what I wanted to say. Like, and if it's you not do that, a horrible I would movie. probably like this movie. Prequel. But yes. because you try to tie it into the mythos of Texas Chainsaw, I think it, I don't, it, it's like trying to fit a fucking square peg through a round hole. So, so they did, and, and I, I don't know where the, the original intent was, which, again, I like this movie. But, I also, but I also like see what you like. But I see what you guys are saying, too, because as a whole, the series is one of the worst franchises oh my God, ever. Because imagine infuriating how imagine if uh, at, like at least Freddy, even if they went batshit crazy with trying to do a dream baby, they still were like, we need Robert England, we have Freddy, we have his established story. Yeah, you know, right? Damn Leatherface, like they from movie to movie has just been like they don't give a shit. It's all over the place. And so I would say, and that's where I thought we were going with this. I do know that they made them reshoot a lot of stuff. Um. Because I think what would make me, I, I thought the movie was great. If they would have made this movie in half, and the first half is, is them, because th- there was like a whole bunch of other kids on the farm. You know, it wasn't just them killing. It was everybody, mm-hmm. the whole Sawyer family. And then they, they bunched everything into one movie. Because uh, by the end, we got to see that Leatherface. Be- I felt like the whole movie was a slow pace, and I liked it. And then the end, to me, was just like, well, we got to hurry up and show that he's what What would it have hurt to let the kid who... You- you're led to believe is Leatherface. Be Leatherface. Yeah, I was gonna say when would that have disappointed when anything? you showed me the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time. You said, "See that guy? He was a chubby kid." I would have went. I believe that. <laughs> I he's, that. he's this good-looking kid with a conscience. <laughs> what if? Uh... Can I speak? No. What if the good-looking kid was Chop Top? Oh, I don't like it because they he <laughs> lost. He lost his shit in Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go down my list now. Boy, we have really gone into Leatherface here. Uh, I'm going to run through mine, and then we got to work on extracting so we can get to our final film. Uh, I'm going to say what I liked about the film first. It's short. Uh, I love that Grandpa makes an appearance in the beginning, and Grandpa has his hammer, so it ties us back to the original film. Grandpa's the best. Grandpa's got his hammer. Loved it. I love that we also recycle the classic up camera shot 
following yeah. somebody. Glad we Good brought point. that back. Really enjoy that. Um, I love that we're in an old mental institution because there are a few things scarier to me than old mental institutions. So that really built up. I can see it on Vinny's face. He's starting to love the film right now. All of these things. <laughs> that is not what you're saying. I'm loving this whiskey I'm drinking. <laughs> Creepy. Um, that's where my kindness ends with this film. Uh, I'll say this. I will agree. Um, it's it's it would have been a better movie if it wasn't a chainsaw movie. Mm-hmm. This um, this was a, a nat- you, you said it best. This was a natural born killers movie that they, they this was something sitting on the shelf in my opinion. This was a script that was sitting on the shelf that, that they were like you know we still have we we need you, to keep you, the rights to you chainsaw. Can, you can take out the name Leatherface and it would be a completely different. Yeah, movie. we need to keep the rights to chainsaw, which so. they which I think they lost. Because they dilly-dallied releasing this movie. Yeah. Um, but that is why this movie was made. For real. Like, they said it. Yeah. When you've got to make the next leather, the next Texas Chainsaw, and now it's a prequel. Because I, honestly, too, where we were at in the series, I never thought we'd have another prequel. Because it's like... Well, and that's my yeah. next point. Texas Chainsaw, the beginning, is such a better prequel story. Absolutely. Yeah. Such a better prequel story. Absolutely. It's a good eh, it's a good prequel story i won't say it's a great movie but it's a good prequel but, story but we see a snap there and yes. that's enough yep and that that gives us a great even though it was the hewitt family and not the sawyer family uh texas chainsaw the beginning really enjoy that film it's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination but it's good and it's such a better origin story that i'll probably never watch leatherface again like i have no intention to watch this again um I agree with Vinny, the whole mother thing. Uh, but I also like Todd's defense of that, that it's, you know, tying into Ed Gein and, and how much of his, his mother. Weak. Weak. Um, yeah. And I'll agree with the professor, that whole scene Thank you. with the, 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 the corpse in the bed while they're having sex. What is that? Yeah. That's disgusting. Like, why nothing. does that need to it's be in the movie? Just for, again, just like the, the twist it's for shock. It's like, well, Ooh. and that's the thing when the whole riot starts in the mental institution, like she runs over and starts blowing that. Yeah. Guy. That's it's like, really totally that, unnecessary. That, like you're going to do that in the middle of a riot. I like, that riot. <laughs> <laughs> so like there was so much unnecessary in the film just for shock value. Um, Shades of American History X when he curbs oh, stumps that guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I also, my last thing that I liked about this film was when they walked into that diner going all uh, Pulp Fiction or, uh, or Natural Born Killers is that they look at the guy who has, who's open carrying his gun. And this is always my argument as a concealed carry guy. Like if you're someone who's open carrying and someone's going to rob a joint or start something, you're going to be the first one shot. Yeah. What happens in this film? You've got the gun showing. You're the first one shot. Shout out to my buddy Victor who listens to the show. He's going to be very upset that I said that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's <laughs> proves my point yeah. to a T. Um, that's all I've got to say. I about think this face. movie does more harm to the franchise than good. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I think we'd already ventured down don't that road. If you I'm bring up McConaughey, I, I don't. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know where where the rights have gone or what's happened, but. The idea that they walked into the office a few years ago and was like, we have six six picture deal like Saul, where we can make one every few years. Have an idea of where you're going for if if you know you're gonna make an and, and let's be real, if you have the name Jason or Freddie, Michael Myers in your movie, there's gonna be another one. Mm-hmm. So have an idea of where you're gonna go. I agree. Uh 
you know, it's it's not that hard. I would love to see treatment to our big icons like they did with Harry Potter and so and like Pirates of the Caribbean, like movies they knew were making so many of. Yep. Because I would love to see them take Texas Chainsaw and multiple films um, tie in. Well, what's unfortunate other. is that they dropped the ball back when they did that that original remake. They dropped the ball with it. They could have. And the, and I, the, you know the remake was was great. I loved it. You know, and that's where I'm like, why why can't we see the family move on? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I was just gonna say. If you're holding rights and you need to make a movie to cash in and all that, um, I don't want to sound radical here, but why don't you have Leatherface go kill some people? <laughs> yeah, strange. How crazy is that? Yeah, yeah. and guess what? We'll go watch it. Uh, Texas Chainsaw 3D. The timeline didn't even make sense. Nope. And everybody's like, well. Okay. All right. I mean, people bashed on it, but plenty of people had fun with it. I respect that more if you just go have fun with it. But if you're going to get into the parts that we hold The roots dearly, of an iconic character. Then you got to come at it with more than they mm-hmm. did. So not a, a horrendously made movie, just a horrendously made prequel. Yeah. So I, as a person, have to say, don't waste your time on this film. Unless you're a diehard... I, Leatherface I fan, I and if so, That's you fair. probably already That's watched fair. it. I'm just saying I say if you're a diehard, watch person. it. If, you, if you're a fan of Leatherface and you're a fan of the icons of horror, you almost have to watch it to say that you've watched it. I I, I've, I've seen Nightmare 2. Oh, is, I, I would uh, say great, great movie as well as Nightmare 2. <laughs> that but, look, boy. Uh, if you... I don't know. Like the, the, the worst part about the movie is is the connection with the other films. I just wish there was more Franklin in it. <laughs> and that being said... <laughs> that we... is the next movie. It's called Franklin. <laughs> Franklin 2019. It's a prequel story. And about... the, the tra- yeah. the so you're rolling into... Just... Never mind. I'm not and they have, a, they have a mental connection, Franklin. And <laughs> like, is it like Jaws 4? It ties into Jaws 4, yeah. Uh, if, you had to, if you had to pick, which one gets erased from history? Leatherface or Jaws 4? I love Jaws 4. Yeah, Leatherface oh. is out How every day Jaws of the week. 3? I'm keeping Leather, Jaws 4. Yeah, Jaws 4, son. All day. I'd rather watch Jaws 4 over Jaws 3. <laughs> no, don't you dare yeah. say that. Jaws 4 yeah. is good. <laughs> Jaws 4 is at least... Uh, no, yeah, Jaws 3 would Jaws be. Jaws had underlined boom, All right. which you just don't Our know. next film... Oh, I got some is... trivia about Jaws. <laughs> All right, next film. Round and third and head and helm. I forget where we are. Okay. We are on train to Busan, and I'm hoping that Winsome has. Uh, it's pronounced Busan. <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, Vinny will tell us all the top actors. <laughs> yes. So. Not going to happen. There is a video on Facebook if you'd like to see his uh, presentation. <laughs> no, it is. It is a. It is a Korean film. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It's I even Korean. got that at the top. Spoiler, it's Korean. Uh, and it is subtitled, so if you're the kind who can't handle that, then just don't even bother. Yeah. Um, the movie is basically about a, a businessman who is obsessed with his career to the point that he's allowed his marriage to fail and has stressed the relationship with his young daughter. That's the basis of this movie. And the little girl wants to go see, visit her mother and wants the dad to take her there. Well, actually she's willing to go by herself, but he, he goes with her. Uh, and yeah, that her birthday wish. Yes. And yeah. And I mean, 
she wishes to get away from your ass for her birthday. <laughs> yeah. You've done something wrong. And then you buy her a Wii for her birthday. That she already has one. You already bought it for her for another holiday, yeah. like Kids Day. Yeah. You got one, you dumb bitch. Uh, but that's the basis <laughs> Dad, of the suck. movie. And then as they're on this trip, uh, an infection breaks out. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, 28 days later type infection, if you want to call them zombies. Crazy zombies. But uh, yeah, so that's the, that's the basis for the movie. I saw this movie uh, for the first time. I believe I might have seen Todd recommend it actually about a year ago. I think we were talking about the whaling. That may have been it. Because it was kind of one two punch from the whaling and, and, and train. Yeah. So I, you recommended it and I just come off of, of the whaling. I was like, you know what? I mean, I'm going to watch this. And I sat and I watched this movie and I was blown away by it. This movie is so much better than. 90% of horror that has been put out in the last 10 years in the States. There's you, you get all your, your horror jollies of, of gore of, uh, your, your intensity, your nervousness while watching. Uh, but what misses a lot in horror movies, this movie has so much heart. Like, so much heart and the actors are great even though it's subtitled like and so you're not hearing the acting as much like as far as your your native language the actors are absolutely great in this movie i love this movie and i i had seen it i knew todd had seen it uh i think i knew that grizzly hadn't seen it yet and i wanted an excuse for to for everybody to talk about it and i didn't mind watching it again so that's why i picked this movie let me begin so you guys can drone on as you did on the previous film. No, uh, I just wanted to read. You'd pick up a book. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, my initial thought was uh, I, I texted uh, Venomous Vinny here and said, why are you trying to jam me up with a movie making me cry? <laughs> because there are two scenes in this movie. Yeah, I bet I know that, what they are. They definitely got me choked up. Yeah. Definitely got me choked up. When that man lost his money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's right. Better have my money. Um, yeah. So that's all I want to say. I I really, really, really enjoyed this film. Good. Really Good. enjoyed Bloody this film. Um, it's. I mean, gosh, there's been so many Korean films in the last decade that I've mm-hmm. really enjoyed. Good. Good from Korean films. The host to the whaling to now this. I mean, have you guys seen? I saw the devil. It's on my shelf. I've never watched it. I see it when oh. I look in the mirror. <laughs> watch that one that was one i think i spotted at a pawn shop it's and awesome. i've heard so much about it it's on netflix but i was like two bucks for i saw the devil on blu-ray i should probably just go ahead and yeah. get that yeah i hear it's phenomenal and they no, they remade old boy is that old korean boy too is also korean yeah, yeah yeah so spoiler alert korean film uh really enjoyed initial thought awesome um i I had heard the name mentioned quite a bit in the, in the past year, and I knew that it was foreign. That's all I knew about this movie. And I think it was the uh, release of Phantasm. Um, Logo. Yep. So uh, I saw the trailer on, on the front of Phantasm when it came out on Blu-ray, and I was like, I must see this movie. It looks good. Um, the commercial didn't even do justice. I kind of felt like the way I did when I saw 28 Days Later, like Return of the Living Dead. And there zombie movies are, are are have been in you know they're they're going to be a big thing since night of the living dead 
Um, but let's be real, a lot of them become the same old boring thing. See, that's what I was going to say. And, and I feel like there's every now and then there's one that just gives it new blood. So, like, Return of the Living Dead was funny. And then 28 Days Later was, like, Zombies on Crack. And there's there's always that that movie that just takes it to a new level. I'll even throw in Dawn of the Dead remake as one that mm-hmm. was like, oh, you know, that I wasn't expecting that. I agree. Um, man, foreign film or not, um, I've tried to sell this to some people, and they're they won't get past that. They're like, I have to read. I'm like, man, once it gets going, you don't even you don't even know you're yeah. reading it. Yeah. It's, it's I feel like yeah, and and you know you get invested uh, in the characters. There there's so many there's. Even the ones you hate, like the the one dude, I hate him so bad. Like even rewatching it this morning, uh, I'm like, I couldn't go to bed because I'm like, I hate this guy. So like he he fueled me up. Like, like the acting is great, the effects are great, CGI when it's used, like there was no other way that they probably could have done some of those scenes. Um, it's just it's a great great movie. It's a heart pounder, like the whole time, and I think. I think the magic that they found, like you say, because zombie movies can become repetitive. They found a new way to make, they found another setting to make you feel claustrophobic and overwhelmed. And that's within a high speed train. And budget friendly. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I'll I'll back you up on that whole thing about the zombie genre. You know, I'm I'm someone who has historically on the show been a big zombie fan. You know, I just really enjoyed zombie films. And even I've grown tired of them. You know, they, they start rehashing the same thing. And so unless it's, you know, some of the high spots that are doing something different. And this is one of those. This this really reinvigorated some of that love as to why I like a good zombie movie. Just the way the zombies move in this, man. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. Creepy. And, and and they did some new stuff, too, like when it would go through the dark tunnels. Because I think that made it more stressful than if they were just on is the fact that they're trying to, to, to slip by. A yeah. train full of zombies, and you know, at any minute the lights are going to come back on, and and, and the zombies they're, they're can't see very well in the dark. Yeah, professor, kind of like, like me. Um, <laughs> Todd can't drive at night. Just like I mentioned with it follows earlier in the episode, uh, this would be right up there for one of the better horror movies so far since two thousand. I mean, this thing was uh, it's just tremendous. I mean, it is I think a powerhouse. I mean, it's the sixth or seventh highest grossing film in South Korean history. Yeah, it was massive there. They've done an animated prequel to it. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it was it was a big, big success. Um, one thing I have to point out, I'm sure I have on the show in the past, but just in case I haven't, I love train movies. I have some Oh, yeah, you have kid. pointed that out. Oh, my God. I love me some train movies. So you take a zombie movie and put it in that setting, I'm going to like it regardless, more than likely. Uh, but I think the real interesting thing to study here. Uh, especially for listeners who maybe don't watch a lot of foreign horror and give this a shot, is how um, rewarding it is to watch a foreign horror film and see it be uh, for adults. Yeah, This is adult horror, um, all the way down to some of the more touching things we'll discuss. Um, It's just... It's for adults. This isn't juvenile horror like the majority of the horror films that are made in this country are now. Um, and it, it's been like that for, uh, you know, maybe since Scream. Predominantly, horror movies have been directed at teenagers. Yeah. That's fine. There's plenty of them that are enjoyable. But how thirsty we are for something like this with heart and gravity to it, um, that I, I think that's that's ultimately what made it so special for so many American viewers is we're not used to that. I mean, you basically 
This film is just a few minutes shy of two hours. And if you think about it, we just took all of the best parts of a Walking Dead season and and did them in a movie. Yep. Without, you know, 10 episodes of filler. Mm-hmm. We we quickly establish characters and tell backstories and care about them all without treating the viewer like they're stupid and need it spelled out for them. They don't spend a lot of time. They dress them in a certain way. Like, you know, you got a baseball player. They're in high school. Yep. On, on to the next thing. We don't spend a bunch of time knowing their backstory. And we collect these different strangers on a train and make very noticeable visual cues for who these people are. We know that we have a homeless man who's suffering from some kind of post-traumatic stress. We know that, you know, you, we have a rich CEO who's obsessed with greed. It doesn't take long to establish these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And in the way that we constantly keep the story moving forward, like a train <laughs> uh we don't have time to dwell on anything um that's ultimately just fat on the stake it's it's a very slick movie um from start to finish but yeah i think i think the main thing is is that it's interesting that it's the zombie genre because that just proves my point on on how refreshing it is to have something where the filmmakers take the viewers serious and their intelligence and their maturity, because as you guys have stated, that is oversaturated. So the fact that you could punch through this many American viewers with a zombie movie is a testament, not to how they did it shit with the zombies. It's how we cared about the characters and and the effect that their outcomes had on us. That I think is what was so special about this movie because yeah, the zombies are fine. That, aspect of it is great it's a sure. fun horror movie but the real ass kicker is, is the you know some of the drama and and the the humanity that we tap into without ever going really over the top with it um i don't think i can say a whole lot more that you guys haven't already said well uh without just hitting some of the high spots um the the bodies being thrown out of the helicopter. That is yeah. my fir- one of my first notes. Yeah. Crazy with the helicopter bodies coming I th- out. I, because I think it invokes that image of 9-11 when you saw the bodies falling oh. from the building. God, that went dark quick. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why, I think that's the image that it conjures and that's why it hits so hard. Yeah. Um, the dad telling the little girl, the little girl is so sweet and that's why we fall in love with her. The little girl is so sweet and she gives up her seat to an elderly woman so she can sit and the dad is like, "What? Do you, you didn't have to do that. Like, I thought he was going to praise her. Saying, no, yeah. And he's like, no, you didn't have to do that. You always watch out for yourself in these situations. And I was like, oh, God, I hate the dad. Yeah. You know? um, and then I don't know his name because I can't speak Korean, but Blue Jacket. Blue Jacket is my hero. Was he the soon-to-be father? Yes. You know, I, I that like character was great. When we first saw him, I thought he was going to be like an asshole. Yes, sure. exactly. He's more warm to the little girl as a stranger straight out of the gate than her father is. Yeah. yeah. But he, he kind of looks like a bro. So mm-hmm. you just assume he's going to be a douchebag and he's not. He's the best. He's my hero. It's that baby's name. And that's oh, what, God. that's what made you cry the first time. Yep. Yep. That's the first there one. Actually, yep. There was actually three that had me all bent up. <laughs> when, the one. old woman and her yep. sister. And then me. obviously the, the ending yeah the ending that ending let's wait and everybody talk about anybody got anything else to say before we hit that ending i just i want to say with with the sisters the older women i love watching the ride of her emotions and how she's quickly had you know forced to deal with it yeah the the frustration and anger for 
for that and almost belittling her and then quickly flipping it into what she's really feeling, which is devastated. Yeah. And thanking her through the glass. And it was, Jesus, that yeah. was good. Oh, man. Yeah, right? man. I, I feel like, you know, and you, you said it earlier, was, there was almost like they didn't beat you over the head with it. There was like a, even though we're in a zombie outbreak, there's almost like a caste system. Yeah. Because like the one guy, why the fuck did they just throw his ass off the train? Like how many people did he get killed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally he pushed the girl like into the zombie on the train. Yeah. And, you know, if they would open the door and, and, and I, I hate feeling this way, but when they were like, we want you to go to the front of the train, you can't stay with us. And they all got murdered. I was like, yes, but then we go back in and see that the asshole is still The asshole it. has made it. Yeah. Who pushes the guy out. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, it's clear. Yeah. The little girl was a great child actor, by the yeah. way. I, uh, one, another scene that I think is important, um, and was in, incredibly poignant and sharp was having her caught in between looking at basically the mirroring of the infected and the supposedly healthy, safe ones where she's looking at both and they're both just shit. Yeah. It's just like, is one really better than the other right now? Which I thought was a brief and sharp way of doing it. Cause you know, in American cinema, more than likely would have would have drug that out with something hokey. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Where somebody would have gave a speech about we're no better than them. Yeah, but instead right. we have a little girl observe and see and, it. And on to the next scene. Well, and then uh when the when the, the rich guy comes out and he's not quite a zombie yet. Uh like even that, like I I'll say that's the only time I felt for the asshole. Just a little I didn't. I was like, fuck yes. Well, because he he didn't he didn't know it he didn't know that he was infected. Uh <laughs> and he was talking about like getting home to his mom. And then, like, even when he looked down, like, because, like, I thought the dude was a zombie at that point until he opens the door. Because I was like, how did this dude And he doesn't out know of... he is yet. Yeah. Right. And so, I don't know. And the same way, I was I was excited that he did turn. But, again, you, yet again, killed somebody else. Because. Yeah. And last thing I'll say, you know, you guys have all said the, the premise of the film very well and the beauty of the film. And, you know, I hit some of the high spots. But. Uh, tying back into our "Would You Survive a Zombie Apocalypse" episode that Mad Chan and Rybones and I did, this film shows Doomsday Lesson One Hundred and One of how quickly, oh yeah, people will mistreat other people yeah. in emergency situations. Yeah. Like when yeah. they actually make it onto the train with the survivors and they're screaming at them to get out. How do we know you're not infected? They're looking out for number one. Part of you knows that some deep part side of you inside be like that like how do we know that you're not infected i've got to look out for but the majority of us want to say reason is going to win and say all right let's bring them in let's try and keep them safe and then if they are infected we'll deal with it when that happens you know what i mean can we just without giving it away i don't necessarily want to completely spell it out but how beautiful is that oh we can spell it out yeah this shows spoilers how beautiful it's redemption is that ending where it oh my god being a parent and the so the, here's the spoiler. Uh, the father, in fighting off the asshole in the end, gets infected. Yeah, knowing and, he, I mean, he feeds his yes. He feeds it to him. He gives his life yes to and save his daughters. He puts his daughter in there and basically gives his goodbyes. And that little girl screaming is heart wrenching. Oh man, incredible! But as he stands Her on the as he stands on the back of that train. And it flashes to the day she was born, and he's holding no. that baby yeah. in his hand. No, and it's not. And just... he smiles, and he and you see him smile, and then he just falls off the back of the train. To me, that's Ugh. him knowing I was okay. 
Yeah. Because you see during this train ride, him realizing I'm kind of a shit. Yeah. I have spent all of my time and energy as a fund manager and I've got this wonderful creature I've created and I've, I've, I've screwed it. I've wasted my time. Um, and I've really messed up. And, and to me, that moment is him realizing, no, I didn't. Yeah. Because she's going to live on this earth because of me. Yep. I created her and I'm, I'm proud of it. And he leaves this life with a happy moment of that. Not anything about work not or regret. his marriage. He's not regret. Up. It's pride and joy. Yep. And yep. That's what was just wonderful to me about it. Yeah. Past that, when they're walking down the tunnel, I was like, I swear, if they oh. shoot them. If they do a if they shoot Night of the Living Dead ending. And then um, I this is the second time watching it, and I was up till 5.30 watching this movie this morning. <laughs> but... I like the first time when it ended and it's like train to Busan. I was like, like yeah, if I, like it's, it's just, uh, it's well, a and, movie. and I also the way that, cause they show where the dad of course didn't show up to the little girl's recital where she's singing and she just stops. It's like, Oh, yeah. why didn't you finish? She said, because you weren't there and I practiced it for you. And then after he's dead and they're walking down that tunnel with a pregnant, she's singing Sing it. it. And that's what saves them yep. from being mistaken as the infected. Like, ah, if she uh, gets, and she finishes a, it. She gets. She the finishes chorus. it. A horror movie podcast or chick flicks? Yeah, it was so good, so good. Oh, my heart is so warm. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. So, so. Uh, would you guys recommend this? <laughs> I, I highly, the, the, as we gushed for you, the last half the, hour, the pro- and it aggravates me that like I never try to be close minded to a movie at all. Uh, you know, people will praise the movie, and I'll, I'll sometimes hate it, or or vice versa. Mm-hmm. I, it aggravates me when you sell a movie and then like, oh, well, it's subtitled. I can't watch it. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, at least try it. Because I guarantee you, like, I don't even think this is just for the horror community. Like, to me, I know this kind of movie doesn't go over here. and People hate horror films in America, like like critics and, and the Oscars. Um, so it's rare when you get a movie like Get Out that's nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, to me, this is like an Oscar movie. Like, it had everything so that, that it could have. So... I would recommend this movie highly, but Absolutely. not everyone is going to be willing and open-minded to watch it, which it, you're missing out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't recommend this movie enough. It's fantastic. Thank you, Korea, for all the wonderful... <laughs> Thank you, South <laughs> Korea, for all the wonderful things you've given us. So, No, Kim Jong-un's a badass wouldn't let this movie out. <laughs> right. All right. Erase Boy. that. Huh? Erase what I just said. <laughs> Yeah. You just uh, killed us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Professor Wagstaff. <laughs> so, uh, wrapping up another interesting, varied, wide array of an episode of the Monster Mash. Closing it out, one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, joined by Professor Wagstaff. <laughs> Hot Toddy. Venomous Vinny. Friends, stay scary. I'm the motherfucker. Thank you.